Bonnie and I are often asked, how do you do it all? The truth is, we don't. On today's episode, where we work to be intentional and say no so that we can find joy in the things that matter most. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 417. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. This is normally the question and answer show once a month on the first Monday in the month. We usually turn the show over to you, respond to questions that have come in, and we're doing something a little differently this time. In the same spirit of turning it over to you, many of you will recall in the last month or so, I sent out a survey of our listeners to discover more about what you're thinking, what's working that we're doing here on the show, what's not working, how we can continue to improve, specifically how I can continue to improve. And we're in the midst of processing that. And I'll come back and say more once we have some more data on all of that. Uh, so almost 700 of you responded and filled out that survey. Thank you so much, which is why we're still processing it. In the meantime, though, I started looking through some of the comments and a few of the comments that came in were some version of, how do you do all this stuff and get it all done and have some sense of work-life balance and integration and all that? And I got to thinking about that, and Bonnie and I get this question, some version of this question, on a somewhat regular basis. And so I thought I'd invite Bonnie to join me today and see if we could tackle responding to this question a bit. So hello, Bonnie. Hi, Dave. I will echo what you said. It is the most common question that I get. And it feels awkward to talk about because by no means are you and I superheroes and no, it's always like, you know, it's never as easy as it looks. And we certainly have challenges, but we do get that question a lot because people say like, how do you have a full-time job? And how do you have a podcast? And then, you know, it, it, it just comes up a lot when people learn about us and what where we decide to spend our time. Yeah, indeed. And I was thinking about this through two lenses. One of the lenses is a book that you and I both read in the last couple of years, Essentialism by Greg McEwen. And I hope to have a chance to interview him at some point. But he really made the point in this book of really making decisions about what's essential. And as I got to thinking about this conversation, Bonnie, and how we find joy in our work and in our lives— I thought, well, we can't have a conversation about that without having a conversation about all the things we don't do. <laughs> and I think that that is the part that I find is often missing in these conversations about how do you get so much stuff done and how do you be more efficient and all that. And we leave this out in our society and in our conversations, and we leave this out on our social media profiles of what are the things that we don't do in order to provide the space to have joy and to be more intentional. And so today we're going to do two things. One, we'll talk a little bit about what we do and how we spend our time on it. But first and foremost, I think we're going to start by just talking about what are some of the things that we don't do and giving some examples of that. And my hope is, is that you'll hear our list and your list, of course, is going to be different than ours. But my hope is that you'll come away from this conversation knowing that there probably should be a list an intentional list of the things that you don't do professionally and personally in order to create the space to do the things you really want to do and bring you joy. How's that, Bonnie? Did I set this up well? Yes, although I, I just wanted to to be transparent here and say that 
I perceive that I'm a lot more uncomfortable about what's about to be shared than Dave is. Uh, just a little spoiler alert, for example, Dave's going to share that he doesn't watch television. And to me, I think people would be like, wow, cool, man. <laughs> and I have just somewhere, I think I'm going to horrify people. And so this is just me really wanting to be transparent. These are not easy choices to make at least the ones I'm going to share. I think for Dave, it's pretty easy to not watch television. But I think that I want to just say it's it's raw, it's real, it's there, there can be some guilt around these things until it kind of settles into part of your value system. It isn't that I don't think these things are wonderful that I'm going to share that I that I've decided not to do, at least in some cases, but that they are not the most important things. Yeah. And that when I say no to the things that are hard often to say no to, I, I kind of build up some tolerance for any guilt that might be associated because I can experience more of the joy that comes when you aren't adhering to social norms, to traditions that aren't actually born out of values that you really treasure. And there's a lot of gifts that can come from it, but I just don't want it to sound like it's easy, at least not for one of us. <laughs> and, and, and I don't want to oversimplify yours either, Dave, but but I feel I just wanted to to share that with listeners that I don't feel comfortable sharing these things, but yet I'm going to do this anyway, because maybe it'll give some of you some courage to say no's to some things that it just feels like you should say yes to just because. And I'm going to encourage us to think really about the just because stuff and really try to uncover what's there. I'm so glad you said that because as I was putting my list together, I was thinking about there's one or two on my list that I think a lot of people would say, oh, that's not on your list. Like, and, and so this isn't a right or wrong. I hope you don't hear our list and think like, oh, that's right or that's wrong. What I hope that you hear is making choices, right? Being intentional about the choices that you make and that each one of us make in finding joy and creating joy. So with that, Bonnie, you want to go first? What's uh what's on one want, of the ones I want on you your, to go oh, you first. Want me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's one. Let's here's ease one. into it. Let's ease into it. <laughs> here's here's one that actually be relevant for some folks listening. I get occasional requests to go out and to do speaking in the world and to go to do a workshop or uh, once in a while even like a keynote request or. And there's a bunch of other ways that this manifests itself. And I have done that before in my training work when I was working with Dale Carnegie. I have made a very conscious choice not to do that. It's a decision that is odd to some people. I certainly, at this point, probably could create a somewhat successful business doing some speaking and going out and doing corporate engagements and going around and talking at conferences, at least being more present at conferences than I am now. And I don't, almost entirely do not, and have made a very conscious choice not to do that. And then I'll say more why I made that conscious decision here in a bit. But the biggest reason behind it is our kids are really young right now. And if I was having a successful speaking business, requires one to be on the road a lot. And I just don't, uh, while I'm sure it could be lucrative and give more visibility to the to our brand and to what we're doing with Coaching for Leaders and our academy and so many other things. I have just not found that trade-off to be worth it for me right now. And especially talking to some of the other folks who come on the show and we have conversations with about their schedules and all the speaking they're doing. I look at that and I think, mm, you know, that's not really the lifestyle I want. And so for me, that's been a really conscious decision to not step into that space so that I can spend more time being home and being present with, uh, with you and with our kids. 
My first one is maybe going to sound a little hodgepodge, but I intentionally try to say no to spending excessive time on guilt. And this often comes up with things around our kids. And one example would be around mealtimes. Now, I grew up very differently than Dave did. Dave and his his parents, their family would have a regular sit-down dinner. It was 6 p.m., right? Uh, 6.30. 6.30 p.m. Every night. You could set your watch to it. And that's how how he grew up. And I grew up the exact opposite of that, where at a very young age, we knew how to, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, cook for ourselves, which might mean like toasting a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's what I'm talking about with cooking. And so we didn't really have sit down meal times. In fact, if you were to see our family at even on the occasion where we would go out to a restaurant, maybe a mom and pop Italian place that used to be down by us, you would see all four of us reading books, not even talking to each other. So I think perhaps each one of us grew up kind of on the extremes in, in, in one direction. And so I think I have found that we have a pretty healthy balance. There are some times where all four of us will sit down around the dining room table. It's not always at the same time. I think that would be unrealistic and we would be putting undue pressure upon ourselves. There are some days where I stay later at work. There are some days when Dave isn't around. So it's not like it's a hard and fast rule for us and our family. I think that we like to focus on quality over quantity, specifically when it comes to time with our kids, and then also be thinking about where there are traditions or cultural norms for a family versus really being intentional about what we want to get out of things. And for us, when it is a meal and we are sitting down, so most of the time it's put all devices away and just be fully present for each other. Although I will say if we're out to dinner and it's a, it's going to be a long, lengthy time for our food to get cooked, do I occasionally hand my phone to a child to let them play a short game? Yes. I mean, so so I, I, I like where we've landed as a family and not spending excessive time on guilt. Yeah, I'm with you there. Very good. So let's see what else here is on my list. Uh, this one is one that you and I have both gotten We're active in our church, as in we attend regularly, and we do some things to contribute to our church community. We have both been asked to be elders on the church session board for our church. And being an elder is a pretty significant commitment. Some of you in our listening audience have been elders or some version of that in your religious communities. And we have both said no to that commitment. And I'll speak for myself as I know what's involved as far as the time and the commitment to putting in that time and effort. It's a significant amount of meetings. It's a significant work within the community to to do that job well. And I think that in a lot of religious communities, and I don't think ours is exempt from this, there's a little bit of the expectation that when you're asked to take on a leadership role, that you will. And actually, our church community is really good at not putting that kind of burden or guilt on us. But I think a lot of us put that burden and guilt on ourselves. And uh, the first time I was asked, and I've been asked I think, <laughs> three or four times in the last uh, half dozen years, I did really have to think through that and work through that of like, do I want to take on this commitment for the next three years and pretty significant amount of meetings and time away from family in the evenings and doing some weekend things? And I I ultimately came to the conclusion that it wasn't the right season in our lives. And I've taken some inspiration. I think the person I know of that first articulated this publicly, and I've heard a couple people repeat it, is Ursula Burns, who's the former CEO of Xerox, has very eloquently made the point in several places of uh, work-life integration and balance, yes, 
but not necessarily all in one season of your life. That there are times and there are seasons of your life when you are going to be unbalanced and you're going to make choices that are going to weigh on one side or the other. And I'm sure there will be a point where I'll answer that call to be an elder in our church community, assuming that opportunity is still there. But I've really looked at this from, this is not the right season right now of us having young kids. Um, And we have both together found other ways to serve our church community, including teaching Sunday school once a month, where we are able to serve in a more limited capacity, but we're able to do it with joy. And sometimes we step in when we're asked to help facilitate something or the church is having a discussion about something. Uh, We'll often use our talents to help in that way. But it's a commitment that I and we, I think, can can enter into a lot more joyfully. My next item that I say no to is saying no to every technology that sounds really cool that I read about. And I read <laughs> about a lot of really cool technology. Dave and I have shared about previously on the show that we read what are called RSS feeds. It's just like making a custom newspaper for yourself that comes into an app or into a feed service. And so I read a lot of really cool things that I want to tinker with. And I just can't say yes to it all. And so what I have is called a someday maybe list. And this idea comes out of David Allen's book called Getting Things Done. And that frees me up. I I actually switched over recently to using a service called Trello. Trello is a little card app. And so I can just put all of the different things in there. And eventually I can delete it if I decide, hey, I don't I don't think I'm ever going to get to this or it doesn't really sound cool to me now. And I don't just use it for technology. But this was specifically I was thinking about, yeah, not not trying out every tech I hear about, but really having a holding place for those things. And then it's so fun. It's like getting to give yourself a little present that you're going to go in and see what really looks fun to tinker with when there is time to do that. And I, I find that really helps me be able to be smart about technology, that it becomes more about useful tools for me in my life and less about eating the uh, equivalent of candy. <laughs> Bonnie already gave my next one here on the list, uh, television. I do not watch television. And so all of the... <laughs> I, this, I think I told you this story, Bonnie. I have had, I don't know, for however however long since Netflix was on the iPad. We do have a Netflix family account and all the other services. I had Netflix installed on my iPad. I had downloaded the app and it had been there for years. And I was sick a year or two ago. It was one of those like in bed all day, can't move sort of things. And I finally opened up the app and I realized I had never set up a profile on Netflix for myself. So I went in and I set up the profile and I got the password for Bonnie to do it. And then I fell asleep <laughs> and nothing happened with it. I still hadn't been into Netflix. So I have since like watched one documentary, but I, I literally don't spend time watching TV. I'll watch a movie occasionally with the kids and, and you know, there are other media, but I do miss that a bit. And it means that I miss all of the cultural conversations, references, anytime we spend time with other grownups going out to have dinner or do something. Inevitably, there's some conversation that comes up about whatever's the popular TV show that everyone's watching. And that is always sort of like an awkward moment for me because I miss all of those cultural references, all of that conversation. And that's a little weird. And yet... I'm willing to make that trade-off because it frees up for me what a lot of people spend an hour or two a day doing. And I actually use that time to read Uh, most of the time. I read or I write in the evening after the kids go to bed. And that's sometimes when I'm writing the weekly leadership guides, uh, sometimes when I'm writing the journal. But most often, it's the time I'm reading. And so I get the privilege to free up some of that time to spend 
reading and diving in more. And when people ask me, well, how do you spend, how do you find all the time to read and to review all these books? And and it's really, uh, if you look at it just from a physics standpoint, in an hour or two of the day, you can read a lot <laughs> uh, if you do that consistently. And that's just the difference is I just do it consistently. I just don't watch TV. So that's where I find that time. This next one, I just want to preface it by saying it has, there's so many variables here. This one is thick with cultural differences, and it's also thick with differences in terms of people's socioeconomic status. So something that I say no to is insourcing everything in our lives. And when you think about outsourcing, it would make sense to many of you listening that we choose to outsource the editing of this podcast. For example, Andrew, side note, you are amazing, and please leave this in. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew is better at podcast editing than we are. It makes perfect sense for us to pay him for his talents and also for what that then frees us up to do to better use our existing talents. So that would probably make sense to a lot of you. I also outsource to Sierra my podcast transcript, so she probably won't hear this, but Sierra, you're amazing at that too. <laughs> and But there are other things that Dave and I outsource that would seem odd, either again, culturally speaking, or based on someone's socioeconomic status. And so I know that being out here in Southern California, we have people come take care of our yard. They mow the lawn and they they trim the trees and, and take care of the plants and things like that. And a lot of times Dave's from the Midwest and they do a lot of that themselves. I know they, they but they might have come on, someone come and do the snow stuff. I'm really using very technical terms here. <laughs> I realize, but but um, something that for me was embarrassing to talk about is the fact that we about eight months ago started to outsource our laundry. And so we have a little red bag that Dave puts out every Friday and the laundry comes back on Saturdays. And I told that to a friend, I was like, so embarrassed to admit it. And she said, that is, she She had used to live in some other country, says that's completely normal. And nobody has their own washers and dryers. That's completely normal in that culture. I don't know why you're feeling guilty. If you have the money to do that, then you absolutely should do that because then it's just a, an equation. People talk about the value of your time. And so Dave and I try to get creative about what we can outsource. And so to me, this has to, has to be that we have to get rid of the baggage around sometimes again, gender roles is another thing that comes up where it's like, you feel like you're supposed to take care of that because of something that you're carrying around with gender roles. So this is something I say no to. I say no to insourcing everything. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know if I told you this, but I, uh, I was also sharing with a friend. I was like, yeah, we start sort of sheepishly, like we started outsourcing our laundry and that just seems like, it just, it just seems guilt-ridden in some way. And and their response was the same thing, like, well, of course you would. <laughs> Why wouldn't you, given like all the other things you've got going on and, and time and resources and all that? It's not that these things in and of themselves are bad. It's just being really intentional about the time. So anyway, there you go. Another thing that I say no to are some of the seemingly small things that come up around holidays and special occasions. So we have not as a family, I don't think we've ever done a holiday card, have we? I think you and I might have done one before we had kids. Okay, so once. but no like special photography, no, no special, you know, let's get the clothes that matches and let's go. But by the way, those of you who send us them, we love them. We have a little place where we display them. Yeah. We we are very happy to receive them. We just don't want to invest our time in what it takes to produce something like that. And then birthday cards that especially 
to me, if I'm going to give someone a birthday card, it's going to say more than happy birthday and have my name on it. To me, it's, it's, I'm going to write them a letter. I'm going to affirm why I'm glad they're alive, why I'm celebrating their birth because they're so special to me. I will not just put a card that that's just, and and that's, again, we're coming back to real traditions for people. And some people could be horrified by that. And I just have decided to do that, that that I'm not gonna, I don't go on Facebook and say happy HB, because I couldn't even (laughs) spell it out all the way, you know, just like I, it is um, actually like on my birthday is not on social media. And I would prefer like someone not say something to me, because they're just supposed to do it, because I feel it. And so, Dave, you wrote me a really nice letter this year. Mm. I'm embarrassed because I think it was for Mother's Day. I don't think it was for my birthday, but they were so close together that I'm having trouble Some, even Somewhere, I don't even remember. There was somewhere around that yeah, time. Yeah, but you don't write me a, a letter every Mother's Day. You don't write me a letter every birthday. And so then the occasions where you do, it's so special to me, and I treasure those. I like to go yeah. back and reread them. I have a little basket where I keep them, and I also take pictures so I have it digitally as well. So I also like don't bake around the holidays. So like at work, there's a lot of people bringing food in, and they're you know that's kind of expected socially that everybody's going to engage in that. At least I should say every woman is going to engage in that, and I just don't. And so I might get a little basket, like a little cute little thing with like the Hershey's cookies, candy thing. And that's like that I have to be careful not to consume all of those wonderful gifts. And also I just, it's not a tradition that I enjoy. And if you don't enjoy it, then my goodness, don't do it. So you can be freed up to do stuff that you do enjoy. As you were talking, I was thinking about the distinction between intentional versus transactional. Mm -hmm. And I think both of you, both you and I, you have been a great teacher to me on this because I grew up in a culture I don't know if it was more my extended family or just like the place I grew up in or the community, but where there were a lot of transactional things you did traditionally. And I, I've really stepped away from a lot of that, not entirely, but a lot of that of being really like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be really intentional about doing it and want to do it and speak joy into it and not feel like I'm doing it just because I need to or need to buy a card or whatever the situation is on that particular case. Okay. Another one on my list. This is one people may, certainly people would disagree with is we and I uh, have made a decision to really not go down the route of having kids involved in sports teams and club sports and those kinds of things. Neither of our kids have really expressed any substantial interest in doing that. Neither Bonnie or I are really big sports people in, in any substantial way. But that's actually not the driving force behind it. We talk to other families regularly and uh, our kids at our school that are involved in sports teams and some of the club sports. And we hear about the schedules <laughs> of like multiple practices a week and all day Saturdays and all day Sundays and the games and the travel. And by the way, I think sports teams is like a wonderful, amazing opportunity for kids. And I do hope our kids have an opportunity to participate in that. And and if they express interest, we'll find a way to do it. But we have really been intentional about not just diving in and signing kids up for all the sports activities and the sports teams in the community because we've just seen that become a huge, huge time suck for a lot of families where it crowds out everything else. It crowds out family time. It crowds out time for kids just to do nothing and to be bored, which is actually really important for them to learn how to be bored and to be creative in other ways um, and to go out and just ride their bikes and do whatever. A side note, I saw a Wall Street Journal article last night on we need more kids in America riding bikes. And then the substantial statistic of like a million kids or million less kids in the last five years are riding bikes than used to, uh, which is amazing to me. And so that is just a place where we've said no, at least for now, of 
not wanting one thing, that's a really positive thing, but to accidentally crowd out a lot of other things that we could do as a family. So it's a really intentional choice that we've made. My last thing that I say no to, at least I'm, I'm willing to admit today, is that I say no to using my brain as a storage device. So David Allen, I mentioned him earlier, the author of Getting Things Done, has a wonderful quote. He says, our mind is for having ideas, not holding them. So I'm very careful about not trying to hold in my head what things I need to do, what appointments I have, what's on my calendar, and instead to use tools that will do that far better than my brain ever could. And what that does is frees me up to have more ideas. So a couple of side notes on this. One is there's a wonderful book called The Checklist Manifesto. And that is a book, who could imagine that a book about checklists could be as fascinating as it is. It's wonderful, but it's also very practical teaching you how to create a good checklist. So checklists for everything from when I produce a podcast episode for teaching in higher ed, I've got a whole checklist where I can track everything Thing that needs to happen because there's quite a few things. I think it's like 30 things from start to finish that need to happen for an episode to get produced. Everything from that to Dave has checklists for the kids for in the mornings, especially like different days of the week. Sometimes Luke needs his Taekwondo outfit and other times it's like that gets more and more complicated. So to not have to remember that Thursdays is such and such a day. Now, sometimes our brains just naturally get used to that, but especially at the start of a new school year to reduce some of that stress, it's great to have checklists. I'm all for an app called TripIt that keeps all my travel details together, a, a packing app called the PackPoint app that really lets me free up my brain. It even checks the weather for where I'm going. There's a trip I still am just horrified by. I went to Sacramento a couple of years ago, forgot a jacket. It's 40 degrees. There are ice, ice that has that has hardened on the windshield of my rental car and I have no jacket and my teeth are chattering and I'm trying to scrape off the ice. So yes, it checks the weather and reminds me to put a jacket in there when it is snowing where I'm going or so rainy it's hailing. So anyway, I know we're now going to talk about what all of these things that we've just confessed to saying no to, what these choices to say no to frees us up to do. And Dave, I think you're going to start and then I'll wrap us up on this theme. Yeah, for me, it's created a space to do a lot of things. The first one that comes to mind for me is depth. Because I am not running a speaking business and flying around the world all the time, I am able to go into a lot more depth in the conversations that I have regularly. Often that includes our academy members. One recent example of that is I was preparing for an interview upcoming on the show and as I got into reading the book from the author and preparing my notes, I realized how how much the knowledge from this person and the research would really benefit one of our Academy members specifically. And I read the book and prepared the interview with that person's situation in mind in really every question that I asked. And that's the kind of thing that I doubt that I would be able to do as consistently as I often do when I'm preparing for interviews because I wouldn't have the mental margin to stop and to think and to really think, how can I be useful in this conversation to people who are listening? Because I know beyond just her, there's probably dozens of people who are in the situation who are listening to the show. And so if I can get into thinking about it from their perspective, that's going to help serve our audience really well. The other real benefit that I get of having some more intentional space 
is being able to prepare and to read in depth, especially when we have experts come on the show. I I find that I'm sometimes catching guests on the podcast here off guard because of the amount of work I've done. I typically spend four to five hours preparing for each 30-minute interview. I've often read the entire book. I've often gone and watched YouTube videos of the guests who are coming on the show. I've, at the very least, thought through what are some of the bullets of things that I may want to hit on in the interview. Um, I'm, I've thought about, as I mentioned earlier, how does this person's work or experience or message help out some of our academy members and think about what questions I might be able to ask through them. And that, I think, makes a big difference. It certainly is something I hear often from guests and from listeners that they appreciate and they notice the preparation that goes into the work. And then on a personal side, it frees up a lot of time for us to do fun things with our kids and spend a lot of time with our kids. And the kids go to a school that has a schedule of they don't have a lot of regular days off, but they have larger chunks. So they'll have three or four days or they'll have a week in Fe- in February, and then they've got a week again in April, and they don't do a lot of the half-day stuff. And so on those weeks, I usually hit the road with them. We go do something fun. We go out to a national forest, and we camp for four or five days, or we go rafting like we're doing this summer, or we take a drive, or we went to Zion National Park last fall and camped for several days. And I realize I have the privilege of us you know, running our own business and getting to make choices on my schedule that not everyone gets to make. But part of that's because I've made some real intentional choices not to crowd out the schedule in other ways and not to make commitments that crowd out my time. And so that gives me the freedom to be able to spend a lot of time with the kids and to do some really neat things uh, that I might not otherwise get to do. And the other thing that Bonnie and I do regularly is just have time for each other. While we're not perfect at this by any means, so I'd say over the last seven, eight years as we've been parents, we've been able to find time for a weekly date night, probably about 60 to 75% of the time, which I think is pretty good. Sometimes, you know, babysitters and all that don't work out, but that's something we've done pretty consistently. And it's helped us stay really connected and really intentional with each other and talk through situations when they come up and even spend a couple of retreat days, which we've been doing recently, where we'll just set aside, a, you know, half a day a month to connect with each other and read or go out for lunch or something just to stay connected in a really intentional way. And I think the one other thing I'll mention is creating some of the space in other areas has allowed me to be really intentional about where I spend time volunteering my time too. And I really try to be intentional about making a long-term commitment to something in depth. My friend Sandy Morgan and I have produced for now eight years, eight plus years, it actually predates Coaching for Leaders. We've produced a podcast called Ending Human Trafficking. Sandy's a dear friend of both of us. I sit on the board of the Global Center for Women and Justice at Bonnie's University, where Sandy works as well. And it's a joyful thing to be able to do to help Sandy to get her expertise and her wisdom out into the world and to do that through a podcast, which has opened up some tremendous doors for her and for learning and for people around the world who are working on this issue. And for those of you who have an interest in the issue, uh, I'll put a link to it in our notes as well. Bonnie, how about you? By me saying no to the things that we already spoke about, that frees me up to be more intentional. And you've probably heard Dave and I say the word intentional at least 50 times on this episode. And that to me is key. It's being intentional. It's not doing it just because that's what everyone else does, or it feels like I should do this for X, Y, or Z reasons. I get to be intentional. Part of that is then it frees me up to create meaning. If we're going to have a birthday celebration, if we're going to have a party, go to a kid's birthday or invite people here, 
Let's create something that allows for meaningful interaction. And that relates to my next one. It allows me to be more fully present. I'm not there because I think I'm supposed to be. And therefore, I also think I need to be 13 other places as well. And there's all these things tugging at me. I will not say that I'm never feeling those tugs, but I feel them less because of that intentionality. And I can be more present and really show up for things. Show up because I wanted to, because this is special to me, because you are special to me. Another thing it lets me do is to be authentic. I don't have to be creating this identity I want so much to be, but isn't really me. This is really me. And and these are the things that really are important to me. And I'm going to show up and I'm going to be authentic and be fully me. And then it also allows me to leverage my strengths. There are things that I'm not good at doing, but I sometimes in the past maybe have thought that I should be good at doing. Let's just talk about I'm not good at doing it. There are a lot of things I am good at doing. And if I can free myself up to do more of those things, I'm able to leverage my strengths better. And ultimately, as Dave and I got together to prepare to record today's episode, what kept showing up in both of our notes without having talked to each other in advance, as we thought about the things that we say no to, ultimately what those things free us up for is to be more filled with pure joy. So our invitation to you is, coming out of this conversation, is uh, do some thinking on what are the places that are taking your time that maybe aren't bringing you joy? Where can you say no or maybe say, eh, not right now? And then be able to spend that time to be intentional on where you spend your time and what brings you joy. And if you do that, then I think that's a win for this conversation. I hope you found this conversation useful since it came up as a topic in our recent listener survey, a little different than what we normally do. And we'll be back to our normal cadence of question and answer shows the first Monday of every month, starting again next month. If you found this conversation useful, some other episodes that might also be of value to you. Episode 51, How Storytelling Helps You Lead with Sandy Morgan, is a great starting point. I mentioned Sandy's work earlier in my partnership with her on the Ending Human Trafficking podcast. On episode 51, Sandy and I talked in detail about storytelling, how she uses it practically in her work to influence people all over the world, cross-culturally. Some of the lessons that she shares in that conversation actually are part of the free audio course that free members receive when they uh, set up their free memberships. Some of you are familiar with her voice already. If you're looking for a bit more inspiration there, episode 51 is a great starting point for you. Also useful is episode 184, Getting Things Done with David Allen. Bonnie and I both mentioned the GTD methodology in this conversation. We have used the Getting Things Done framework throughout our professional careers, at least since it came out, and it's been very helpful on helping us to make decisions. Uh, David Allen was on episode 184 and talked us through some of the core concepts of the model, also responded to questions from our audience at that time and was helpful in just uh, getting us to think a little differently about how we process things. And as Bonnie mentioned earlier, uh, having your brain there for having ideas, not for holding them, is one of the key concepts behind getting things done. You'll hear that in detail in episode 184. Also useful to you will be episode 310, How to Reduce Drama with Kids with Tina Payne Bryson. Like this conversation, a little bit off the typical cadence of leadership on the show, but in episode 310, we stepped back and looked at 
parenting a bit and how you can use some of concepts around leadership and discipline and parenting. And Tina Payne Bryson is the author of my favorite book on parenting called No Drama Discipline and how to really respond to kids with empathy and with discipline. And there is so much in that conversation that I reflect on still today, several years since we've aired it, in the daily conversations with our children. It is a conversation that many of you wrote in and shared how useful it was to you in the interactions you have with your own kids. Episode 310 is one to check out if you work with kids or if you have your own kids and haven't heard it already. And I'd also recommend episode 334, How to Be a Happier Person, with my guest, Neil Pazrika. Neil is the best-selling author of the book, The Happiness Equation. And in that conversation, we talked a lot about happiness and perhaps more importantly, what are some of the mindsets and the practical actions you can take on a daily basis that will help you to make the choice to enter into a place of happiness. And of course, so much in that conversation about joy as well. All of those episodes available at the website at coachingforleaders.com and even better, set up your free membership over at coachingforleaders.com. That's going to give you not only access to each individual episode, but the ability to search by topic. Uh, one of the topics that this conversation is tagged under today is work-life balance. And there are many conversations we've had over the years around this topic, and you can access all of them and every other topic just by setting up your free membership. It also gives you access to the free weekly leadership guide that comes every Wednesday from me via email with many of the resources and articles that I've found that'll be helpful to you, your colleagues, your peers, your team, and potentially even your customers as resources to be able to pass along. Plus, you'll get full access to the member cast, all of the book notes that I post, my own personal library, and a ton more that's inside the free membership. Free access, uh, just go over to coachingforleaders.com and set it up and you will be set to go. Next week, I am glad to welcome to the show Safi Bakal. He is the author of a book called Loon Shots, and we are going to be diving in on some key practices you can utilize in your organization to nurture crazy ideas. If you or someone who works in your organization is charged with helping people to be more innovative, it's an essential model for you to hear about and some incredible research behind it. So join me for that conversation next week with Safi. Have a fabulous week and I'll see you next Monday. Take care.